I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. I think mastering the basics of understanding marketing principles, it allows you to think beyond the trendy marketing tactics and start thinking about, again, that long-term strategy that's actually going to work for you and your business and your ideal client. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business and finding ways to work smarter, not harder, in business and life. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. I'm an MBA business strategist and mentor who helps overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with strategy and systems. On this podcast, we'll explore simple ways to earn more while working less. If you're ready to scale your business, bring order to chaos, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast. Everyone has a different journey into entrepreneurship, and I don't think that there's any traditional way to get into business ownership. Everybody's journey looks a little bit different. And for me, I got into business after doing a four-year degree in entrepreneurship, and then a two-year MBA in marketing. And I don't think that higher education is required. In fact, if you look at the most successful entrepreneurs, you'll see very quickly that formal education is not required to grow a successful business. But with that being said, there are many things that I learned in business school that have helped me run my business differently and helped me apply knowledge that is not just trendy marketing tactics or looking left and right at what the newest person on Instagram is doing to grow their business or the newest coach (laughs) in the market is doing to grow their business, but to really filter my decisions through what actually makes sense from the lens of marketing fundamentals in psychology, social psychology, behavioral analysis, and why these tactics are working, truly looking at like the underlying research and knowledge that is guiding the newest marketing tactics. And so today I want to talk to you about one thing that I took away. And this was actually from an introduction to management class in grad school. I don't think management was really anybody's favorite topic to cover in grad school because a lot of what we talk about in management, it seems like common sense, but it is some of the most helpful and most applicable knowledge that I remember from grad school even though when you're taking it, it's like, yeah, managing people, like be nice to people, you know, like all the things that seem like common sense, but then understanding the research behind it and why those things work. 
it was just one of my favorite classes. So today I'm talking about the six principles of persuasion or six reasons why people buy. And this was originally researched by Dr. Robert, I might butcher his last name, Caldini. I'll put that in the show notes so you can go look at his original research if you're curious to dig into this a little bit more. But there's six general principles of persuasion, six reasons why people might buy, how you can influence people to make certain decisions. And in this class, It was taught with the perspective of managing employees and who people follow, who people trust. But I think as business owners, all of these things are also applicable to how you market and sell your services, how you're influencing customers, how you're influencing clients. And one of the reasons why I think it's so valuable to understand the principles of marketing and the psychology of marketing is because it doesn't really ever change. You can apply these principles today, tomorrow, and forever to create evergreen marketing strategies and help you make better decisions when it comes to where you're investing your efforts in your business. And we never graduate from the basics, right? As much as we might like to think that we do, this is true of any area of life. And I think we see it most literally in sports where you have to master the basic technique, the basic form in any sport that you're in. In high school, I was on dance team. And so that is very clear. You have to master the basics, flexibility and technique if you want to graduate to the more advanced things in that sport and to perform at a higher level. And that's true of any single sport, but also any area of life, including business. We always have to come back to the basics. And the more that you can master the fundamentals, the more that you will be capable of accomplishing. And I think mastering the basics of understanding marketing principles, it allows you to think beyond the trendy marketing tactics and start thinking about, again, that long-term strategy that's actually going to work for you and your business and your ideal client. So let's dive in to six reasons why people buy and how you can actually use these principles in your marketing. So the first principle is the principle of reciprocity. And this principle states that people are wired to return favors. So if you do something for me, I feel like I owe you. The earliest memory I have of feeling like this is going to craft shows with my mom. My mom used to make hooded towels for kids. And I'm sad that she doesn't do it anymore, especially when we're thinking about having kids because they were the cutest towels. But I remember going to craft fairs with her as a kid and all of the vendors were set up with their booths and we would run the cash register for her and like help out with selling the towels. But we'd also get to like walk around and go get food from vendors and stuff. And I loved going up to the places that had free samples and trying like the little pretzels with the little homemade dips and stuff. But I always felt guilty about it because I felt like I owed them to buy something. And we did every once in a while, but I would always like sneak the samples when we're walking around just to try things. But free samples are playing off this law of reciprocity. If you give something away for free, people feel obligated to give you something back in return. And in business, we can see this a million different ways. Here are some popular ones that you're probably seeing on a daily basis. The first one is free content. We live in a world of content creation and that can be free content in terms of like this podcast episode or blog content. Instagram content or a PDF download, a free training, 
a free resource. Anything that is like an email list builder is exchanging an email address for some sort of free value. We see this in discovery calls. I treat my discovery calls like mini coaching calls where I am asking questions and giving free advice. We see this in free trials. You can try software platforms for free for a limited time basis or even download a digital course and get free access for a week before you have to commit to buying. All of these things are playing off of this principle of reciprocity. When when you give people things for free, it increases the likelihood that they will feel obligated to give you something in return. And it's not just free stuff. It has to be something valuable for your business. And that's why these copy and paste strategies don't work because you have to understand that it has to be something valuable that plays off of their desire to want to return the favor, like giving them something so good that they're so grateful and feel like they owe you something in return. And it's not really about you, right? It's about serving people. But when we try to copy and paste what other people are doing in terms of giving away value, that type of value might not actually be what your clients want. I think about this. I mean, as a minimalist, I really hate swag, but everybody (laughs) seems to still love a good swag bag. But most of what is in swag bag stuff we get for free is just junk or like business cards and magnets and stuff that does not like it is free, but it's not valuable, at least not to me. And so it doesn't really play off this principle, even though it's free. So thinking about not just free, but what's valuable and building reciprocity in that way. And the action step here is to give value away. Don't be afraid of giving things away for free when it comes to knowledge and things that can genuinely help people. Seek to serve people first and then selling will come naturally without you even having to try as long as you're genuinely showing up and giving value. So principle one, reciprocity. Want to find a better way to tackle your to-do list? I created the task batching workbook just for you, the busy business owner trying to stay on top of all the things in your business. This workbook will take you through my step-by-step process for batching my tasks so you can free up time, stress less, and say goodbye to the dozen sticky notes cluttering up your desktop. You can grab the workbook for free using the link in the show notes or visiting www.jadeboyd.co backslash task batching workbook. That's www.jadeboyd.co backslash task batching workbook. In just a few short minutes, you can make a plan to batch your tasks and schedule them in your calendar. Get started by heading to the show notes and grabbing your task batching workbook today. Principle two is commitment. So the principle of commitment states that if somebody makes a small commitment, they're more likely to make a larger commitment later on. So I think about this in terms of dating. So when you're dating someone, you're not immediately, at least in our culture, going to say, all right, I'm ready to get married, right? It's like baby steps, like committing to responding to their text message or committing to meet them for coffee and then committing to go on a real date and then committing to getting engaged and setting a wedding date and then committing to getting married. It's like escalating commitments. The smaller commitments are much easier to make and naturally, if it goes well, are going to lead into escalating commitments. And we see this everywhere too. So another example is discovery calls. And know that all of these principles kind of work in tandem. And so there's certain tactics like discovery calls that apply to multiple different principles. And the more principles that you're applying in your business, the more effective your strategy will be. So it's great to think about all of them working together. And again, not thinking about the tactic, but thinking about the strategy. 
So with discovery calls, people are committing their time and energy to show up at a specific time and date. And I've had people book discovery calls and not show up. They're obviously not ready for a tiny commitment and they're not going to be ready for the bigger commitment of booking 12 weeks of coaching or 16 weeks of coaching, right? So a discovery call even though it's free, is still a commitment. People are committing to show up for something. Another example would be fundraising events. People are committing their time and the effort to get dressed up and go to a fundraising event. If they're committed to doing that, then they're more likely to commit to giving a donation. We also see this in terms of low ticket products. If somebody is committed enough to go through your $27 mini course or mini offer, they are more likely to sign up for your higher ticket offers because it's a smaller commitment that gives them a taste of what it's like to work with you. So the action step here is to always ask for smaller commitments first, whatever that looks like. What is the smallest commitment that somebody could give to you today? And then have a plan for what is the plan to escalate that commitment? What's the next step? The higher ticket offer, the call to action after the discovery call. What does that escalating commitment look like in your sales funnel? Principle number three is social proof. And this principle basically states that when people are uncertain of what they should do, they'll follow the crowd. So a study that many of you have probably heard of that just fascinates me is the ash conformity experiment that really, I mean, these are different researchers, but it really demonstrates this principle in a way that's tangible and obvious. So the experiment was basically to bring these people into a room. Most of the people in that room were part of the study and one person was the person being studied. And the researcher would present two different images to the participants. The first image was a line and the second image was a set of three lines of different lengths. And the research participants were asked to say which line on the second photo matched the length of the line on the first photo. And some of them were just clearly off. Like two of them were super, super short and you knew exactly which one matched. And then the third one was just huge. And the study was to show if the person who they were studying would conform to what everybody else was saying was the matching line or if they would be brave enough really to say what they actually thought to be true. And these lines were not close together. It wasn't like a visual test. It was just a test of whether or not they would conform to everybody else. And so the person who was being tested was the last person to answer the question of which line they thought matched every single time. And they showed that throughout 12 trials, from what I've read of this, research, about three-fourths of the participants conformed to what the majority of the people were saying was the matching line at least once. So they would conform knowing that that line is nowhere close. What everybody else is saying is the matching line looks absolutely nothing like the line that we're supposed to be matching. But because everybody else said it, I'm going to say it too. Three-fourths of participants conformed at least once during the study. So only a fourth of participants like stuck to what they saw to be true in the study, which is just really fascinating. And the outcome of that experiment, they concluded that people conform for two main reasons. First, which they call this normative influence, people just want to fit in. They want to be like other people, which I think we all get. And the second reason is informational influence. We assume that other people know better than we do. So you definitely don't need to look very far to see this principle in action. I think the biggest thing right now is influencer marketing. We buy things that other people recommend all the time for those two reasons. Either we want to fit in and we see having that thing or buying those clothes as being part of the crowd, fitting in with what people are doing. And we think that other people know better than we do. What is the first thing you do when you go to buy something? You look at reviews and see what people have said. You ask your friends and family what car they bought or what camera they would recommend or what neighborhood they would live in. We trust other people. 
Social proof. We want to fit in. We think other people know more than we do. So the action step here is to think about how do you leverage social proof to increase the likelihood that people will trust you and buy for you. And we already mentioned a couple of those. So influencer marketing or a referral program. I recently moved my digital course and also the checkout for my coaching program into Thrivecart. And Thrivecart is a checkout platform. It's also a course platform that makes it super easy to set up an affiliate program for your products and also to set up a, like an automated referral program for any of your in-person services as well. And I'll leave my affiliate link for Thrivecart in the show notes. But influencer marketing and referral programs are two easy ways to leverage social proof. An even easier way than that is to share your client testimonials, have your customers post product reviews, collect those product reviews and share them, share case studies of results that people have gotten within your programs or from using your products. Sharing all of that knowledge and sharing that social proof also increases your ability to influence and increases the likelihood that somebody's going to buy from you. Okay, number four is authority. And the law of authority states that people are likely to listen to and follow authority figures. So I think we all have met one of those people who is just so confident that you would believe anything that they said. I know that I am thinking of two people in my personal life specifically. Like They speak so confidently about what they're talking about that I just believe that it's true. They seem like an authority in that topic. And I naturally have very few influencing strengths. If we're looking at the strengths finder assessment, there's four domains, relationship building, executing, influencing, and strategic thinking. My influencing strengths are very low. I'm very good at executing and relationship building, influencing, not my thing. But we all have influence to some extent. Recently, when I did that podcast episode about the one passive income stream every creative business owner should have, I was talking about bank accounts and setting up a bank account that has interest for your checking and for your savings and how like easy it is to make passive income that way. And not a lot of people are thinking about it. You should definitely... I'll link that episode if you want to go back to it. But somebody messaged me on Instagram when I shared that episode and was like, if you told me to put my money in a bag under my bed, I'd probably do it because you're just way more organized than I am. So I do have influence, even though that's not my strength. We all have influence when we are building a reputation for ourselves, when we become known for a certain topic. Again, when we're teaching and giving away value and getting people small results, they trust us for the bigger results and they see us as experts in whatever area that we're speaking and teaching in. So this all kind of relates back to personal branding, building your reputation, becoming known for something, positioning yourself as that expert, as that authority, sharing your experience, your expertise, what your credentials are. But I think this also ties into investing in your visual brand too, because we see well-designed graphics or well-curated Instagram feeds naturally our brain sees them as an authority, like sees somebody is credible because of the level and the quality of their visuals. I actually, this morning, I was doing some keyword research and typing in some different words into iTunes to see what different episodes popped up in podcasts and a topic that I'm thinking about doing an episode about. And a random podcast popped up that had a really amazing podcast cover. And I was instantly like, she knows what she's talking about. This cover is great, right? We just immediately assume that just because it looks good. So that's another way to build authority and to be seen as somebody who knows what they're talking about, even if you don't have natural woo strengths or influence 
face-to-face. So the action step here is really to decide what do you want to become an authority in? What do you want people to see you as an authority in? And then how can you position yourself to be that expert and to look like that expert online or in person or wherever that is? And this comes down to the way that you dress, the way that you talk, the way that your website looks, the way that your Instagram feed looks, the words that you use in your copy, a ton of micro decisions, but it all comes back to authority. What is going to make people see you as the expert, right? Okay, moving on to number five. Number five is the principle of liking, which basically states that people are more likely to buy from people that they like. And again, I think we all know that this is true. And one of the reasons why I think this principle as a small business owner can be really encouraging is that we have all at one point or another thought to ourselves, this has already been done before. Why would I teach a course that somebody else is teaching or provide a service that somebody else is already doing better than I am? But it comes back to this principle that people don't necessarily buy the best product or service, that there are many factors that are influencing and informing people's decisions when it comes to buying products and to booking services. And people are more likely to buy from people that they like. So when people say like, yeah, it's been done before, but it hasn't been done for by you, I have a difficult time hearing that and digesting it because at some point it's true. If somebody's doing something better than you and you're in the same circles, they are a genuine competitor. It's not that just being you means that you don't have any competition. You absolutely will. But in your small circle, the people who know, like, and trust you, the people who see you as the authority, if they like you, they're also more likely to buy from you. I thought about this recently. Caleb and I followed this van life couple. Actually, they just quit van life. So they're also DIY home renovators. So we like them for multiple reasons. We follow them on YouTube. Their names are Eamon and Beck. You might have heard of them. And they also have a tea company. And I want to buy their tea, even though they're not really tea experts. I just really like them as people. (laughs) And the tea looks great. It has great branding. They just did a whole rebrand. But I'm honestly just wanting to buy their tea because I have liked following them and feel like I know behind the scenes like what their lives look like, even though you know it's YouTube. We all have lives that we don't share on social media. But the more we like people, the more likely we are to buy from them, no matter what they're selling. So an action step here, the one thing that I want you to take away from this is be yourself and show up authentically because it's kind of exhausting to show up as somebody that you're not. And also it's harder to attract those people who are really your ideal clients who are similar to you, who have similar desires, similar tastes to you if you're not showing up and being yourself. If you're able to show up authentically, talk about what you really want to talk about, stand for something, share your unpopular opinions, you're naturally going to have people that do not like you. And that's okay because you can't be liked by everybody. And so the principle of liking doesn't state that you should try to get every everybody to like you. It states that people who naturally like you, the people who do like you are more likely to buy from you, but people can't like you if they don't know you, right? So the action step here, show up, be you, stop trying to be somebody that you're not. Okay. And last principle, principle number six is the principle of scarcity, which states that we want things more when they're in short supply. And I remember in class when we were going over these principles when I was in grad school, one of my classmates, we were talking about examples of this in real life and my classmates were sharing examples. And one of them worked for Greek Life before he came to the MBA program and he talked about he had coffee cups, I think, for this fraternity and nobody was 
buying these coffee cups. But as soon as he sent out an email saying, these are limited edition coffee cups, there's only X amount left. And when they're gone, they're gone. Instantly, students started purchasing them and they all like flew off the shelves. (laughs) And so we need a little bit of scarcity to drive us to purchase, to buy things. We need kind of like a deadline or a reason to buy now, even if we do want to buy, right? So here are some different examples of how you can create scarcity in your business. You could take a limited number of clients each month. I think naturally, all of us have a capacity for how many in-person clients we can take, but also how many products your team has capacity to ship to. It works for both types of businesses. So limiting the number of clients you take on or number of products in a product line that you sell. You could create limited time offers, anything with a deadline to book, like this class is starting on this date or this offer goes away at the end of the week. You can create limited additions, a one-time class that you're offering that you're never going to offer again or a one-time product like the coffee cup thing that's not going to be reprinted. Next time we do it, it's going to be a different version. Limited editions are a great way to do scarcity. Whenever people are launching, we definitely see expiring bonuses. So either only the first five people to sign up are going to get that bonus or this bonus is only available until Friday and then it goes away. Expiring bonuses get people to book. And I think that we've all seen that whenever launching something, people always wait until the last day. And I know I do it when I'm buying things too, because it's I always want to do it, but I don't do it until I have to do it, right? And I know they're going to email me again. So I just wait until the last day to buy. And so naturally, having a launch creates scarcity. And I was really hesitant to turn my coaching program into the type of program that only launches three or four times a year. When I was starting, I just allowed people to enroll at any time. So if you want to book for August, great, we'll start in August. If you want to book for October, great, we'll start in October. But now I have very specific months where the program launches. And if you don't join that month, then you have to wait until... TBD three or four months from now when I'm going to relaunch it. And it has absolutely changed my booking rates. I was struggling to fill it and had a lot of great discovery calls with people who wanted to do the program, but people still need a reason to make a decision. They need a deadline. And so ever since making that change, which again, I was really hesitant because I didn't like being locked into like a high pressure. If I don't book five people this time or 10 people this time, then I'm going to have to wait several months before I book the next round. That was scary for me, but ultimately it has made my job and my business less stressful. So launching is also a great way to create scarcity. So the action step for principle number six is if your clients or customers are dragging their feet and getting them to buy or to book with you, even though they want what you're selling is difficult, what can you do to include scarcity tactics into your sales, into your process, into the way that you're launching, the offers that you're giving in order to help them make a decision. Even if the decision is no, how can you help them give them a deadline and some scarcity and some pressure to make that decision yes or no? And to wrap up, any of these principles can be used in a negative way, right? There's tactics that are used when it comes to creating scarcity that I don't agree with and I will never use in my business. The principles themselves are neutral. They're explaining why people buy. And you can use authority to be manipulative or deceptive, or you can use it to be authentic. You can use any of these principles in a positive way or a negative way when it comes to your marketing. And that's why I think understanding the principles and why people buy is so important because it helps you understand what really matters when it comes to building a marketing strategy that's going to work. And it helps you look left and right and see those tactics 
tactics that other people are using, but then understand why they're actually working and understand if it's going to be a good fit for you and your business or if it's not. So I hope this episode has helped you think differently about the way that you market your business and what's actually important when it comes to selling your products and services. And I hope that understanding the basics and mastering the fundamentals will help you market differently. Think outside the box, stop jumping on random trendy marketing tactics and start filtering your marketing decisions through the lens of psychology, principles that don't change, why people actually buy and what is going to work for you and your business today and tomorrow. So until next time, business minimalists, take what you learned today and get 1% better this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Business Minimalist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Your rating and review will help more small business owners discover helpful episodes each week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources mentioned in today's episode, because good ideas don't grow businesses, action does. And if you want more business minimalist tips and resources, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadeboyd.co. I'd love to hear what you took away from today's episode. I'll see you next time on the Business Minimalist Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement, plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.